Well, you find yourself at the Hurt Take. I am your host, Reese Dobigan. Welcome back for another round. Boy, MMA is one of those those great sports where even in a week where there's not a lot to talk about, there's still so much to talk about. No real hot button issues to discuss, but a lot of little things, little bits and pieces. You know that the news cycle is always spinning in MMA. Someone is always doing something crazy. People are always doing interesting things. There's there was fights. We love fights, of course. And they were interesting, even when they weren't particularly uh, intriguing off the hop. First things first, though, I want to give a shout out to shout out to my listeners. I went to a party this weekend. I found out that I've actually got some people who are listening to my show, which is so nice. It's so nice to know that you're being that you're being appreciated. That you have an audience out there. So to all my listeners, thank you so much. Take the time, everybody, to follow me on Twitter, please. Please give me an audience there, too. I'm really funny, I promise. I tweet a lot of good stuff, okay? Give me a chance. Just give me a chance. You know, do more for me than my first almost girlfriend in high school did. Just give me a chance. I promise, it'll be good. Okay, that's enough. Now I just sound like a shill. I just sound like a shill. Uh, You gotta promote yourself somehow though, right? At the end of the day. So, this past weekend, there were fights. UFC fights. Well, there were two fights actually. There was a UFC card and there was another boxing card. We'll get to the boxing card at the end of the show, of course, because this is an MMA show. By the fans, for the fans. But this weekend... This past weekend was UFC Fight Night, Rocky, Paper Branch, Scissor Sweep. There were seven finishes on this card in nine fights, which, I mean, it was better than UFC 215. I'll tell you that much in terms of kind of just entertainment value. That, that much is true. The headlining fight, of course, was former middleweight champion Luke Rockhold versus former two-division World Series of Fighting champion David Branch. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Rockhold uh, took this fight, got back on the winter. Of course, he hasn't fought since he lost the belt last year uh, to Michael Bisbing. Kind of a bit of a standoff with the UFC for a bit over his pay. Um, you know, there were no fights that were particularly interesting to him. He was a guy who wanted to kind of get right back in the title picture. And, of course, with Bisbing's win and then Bisbing taking the Dan Henderson fight, which was a total joke, you know, it's it just it's clogged up the division, you know, harder than, than a guy, you know, than a junkie's arteries. I mean, holy... So Rockhold it gets back on the win streak, gets him gets his name back in in the elite of the middleweight division. Reminds people that he's still there. He took the fight in the second round, uh, got nice, got the back mount, and just 
just pummeled David Branch, who tapped to strikes, which is something you don't see that often. But, you know, if you listen to David Branch's comments, it's kind of surprising. I think maybe you don't see that more often, guys who kind of take a more pragmatic approach to uh, fights. You know, the culture of, of MMA says, hey, you're not supposed to tap to strikes. You go out on your shield, so to speak. But Conor McGregor is the richest man in MMA, and he tapped out to something, you know. So that's not exactly that. That doesn't apply to everybody, okay? That does that shouldn't really apply at all. But whatever. So while Rockhold might have taken the fight, the first round was fairly even. Uh, Rockhold looked easily pressured by an aggressive branch, um, which is, you know, something that Rockhold uh, has shown a weakness for in the past. You know, a lot of guys would get caught up on his check hook, um, his his check left hook. He would, you know, catch guys coming in, but he always sort of just bounced in a straight line backwards, you know, and David Branch was taking advantage of that. So it looks like Rockhold hasn't necessarily learned his lesson, which is not a good sign going forward, but, you know, he won the fight, so we'll see if it bites him in the ass in the next one. Uh, but ultimately where this fight came, what this fight came down to was, was once it hit the mat, that was it. On the feet, they were pretty evenly evenly matched. You know, Branch got the better of Rockhold early going, but, I mean, I think Rockhold overall was a better striker than Branch. But once it hit the mat, it was a whole other game. It was a different world. Rockhold's ground game is, is just the tits. It's nasty, man. Like, he is so devastating there. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, when he took the title from Chris, from Chris Weidman, he toyed with Weidman there. To- absolutely toyed with him on the mat pummeled him as badly as I can remember ever seeing beaten up on the mat really just brutal ground and pound um with his top game he he hurts people on the mat and that's ultimately what happened here he got branched to the mat and it's a different game it's a different game after the fight of course Rockhold you know he's been very vocal about the Michael Bisbing George St. Pierre middleweight title fight, and he made his he made his mind uh, known again. You know, on the mic, he said, uh, "Quote: Now I'm coming for that belt." GSP, I don't know what I need to do. You want me to beat some sense into you? You don't belong here. You're gonna get crushed. He said, "I'm ready to go. I got no injuries. I'll be ready for November. Don't embarrass yourself, GSP. Just, just back out. Let me take this thing. It's my fight." <laughs> you know, some people don't like Luke Rockhold. I think maybe the the fact that he's that he could date Playboy models and he's got ridiculous, he's ridiculously good looking, bothers some some fans. Maybe I don't know. But I dig the guy. I think he is. He's got that exact kind of MMA personality. A bit of a sociopath, really into himself, like a Conor McGregor, no different than a guy like that. Really into himself, knows he's good at what he does. And this is I think this is a good this is a good way of setting up. You know, he's he's making he's making a case for either Bisbing or GSP, depending on which way that fight goes. Of course, the funny thing about this is. And we'll get to this in a second. A lot of that depends on Michael Bisbing. We'll get to that in a second, though. Uh, as for David Branch, 
as I was saying, he tapped his strikes in this fight. I don't know why more guys don't do that. Honestly, I, I think this is a sport where, you know, it's a business. The more fights you get, the, the more you get paid. The more you win, the more you get paid. The more damage you inflict on an opponent, the better you are at your job. So if your objective is to inflict damage on your opponent, why would you want to take more damage yourself? That that harms your future prospects. I mean, David Branch, like if you if David Branch had just let Luke Rockhold beat him into unconscious, who knows how long his medical suspension could have been alone? Who knows when he could have gotten back into training? Who knows when he could have taken his next fight? You know, and and the position he was in, there was no coming back from that. Luke Rockhold on top of you with your back back mount just teeing off on you. <laughs> Give me a break. Give me a break. This is very similar to what happened a couple weeks ago in Edmonton. You know, what happened to um, Gavin Tucker. You wish that his team had just thrown in the towel or, you know, he had just accepted that there was no waves coming back in that fight. But MMA fighters, they get it in their head. And you understand it. They want to be the baddest motherfuckers in the room. I get it. But they also want to get paid. I mean, those two things don't exist in the same world. You can't, you can't, you can't go out there and think you're a warrior. You can't go out there and think I'm going to I'm going to fight till I die. But I also want to make all the money possible. Like hey, soldiers once they died, they never got paid again. So that's stupid. You want to live to fight another day. You know? And David Branch, he he said as much on the MMA hour last week prior to the fight, you know, he was talking about how he it's a business for him. He goes out there and it's a it's a it's business decisions. You know, winning pays him better than losing. So he's gonna go out there and do whatever it takes to win. He's not trying to win over fans. And that you know that pisses off some people, sure. Cause, you know, we fans, we expect that we're gonna get our money's worth. But I I don't particularly have a problem with a guy going out there and doing what he, he's gotta do. You know? I might not watch uh or love all his fights, but uh, you know. I still watch the sport, so I'm still going to pay attention. But either way, now he's got a setback. He's one and one in his return to the UFC, so we'll see who he gets next. But I listen. I dug the way he was talking on the MMA hour. I like, you know, I like the guy. I think that he's he's interesting. But at the end of the day, like he said, you got to win, and he didn't. Rockhold did. So Rockhold's call out of GSP was very interesting. Because it sets up a fight ultimately with GSP. If GSP wins, you know, Rockhold would be logically his next his next fight. And that is a terrible, um, a terrible matchup for GSP. You think Michael Bisbing is bigger than him? Wow. Luke Rockhold is like LeBron James standing next to Muggsy Bogues by comparison. It's not even close. He's so much taller and bigger Rockhold can fight at light heavyweight and has actually said stated his intention to possibly do that GSP I'm now anyways terrible but the funny thing is Michael Bisbing on the MMA hour this week said the next fight his GSP fight could be his last very interesting win or lose this could be his last fight now if a guy is even suggesting it I would think that if he loses, it's his last fight. 
you know, he said as much that if he wins, unless the money's right for another fight, it, it would probably be his retirement fight. He says he's got three movies on, uh, in the hopper and a Netflix series, apparently. So, you know, when you've got those outside the cage opportunities and he's doing the commentary, when you have those opportunities and you've been around as long as him and I mean, like... This guy has been through the ringer. He's been in some wars. Few fighters wear the damage that they've taken like him. Just look at his fucking eye. You know, his one eye is permanently, like, cross-eyed because of the amount of damage he's taken. So he's he's earned it. You know, he's definitely he's definitely earned the right to, to go out uh, on this fight. And it would be nice to see him call it a day. You know, rather than than be ushered into retirement with a beating or after a bunch of really just terrible losses. But the interesting thing is, so if he wins, Rockhold's that that Rockhold fight is lined up, but then he could retire, and Rockhold doesn't even get that fight. Then Rockhold's left, you know, swinging at air, swinging at air, and and if GSP, um loses that fight, uh, uh, wins that fight, he has, or loses that fight, he's going to retire. So, you know, there's, Rockhold might be stuck in a crappy situation here. He might, if Bisming were to win, Rockhold might not even have a guy to fight. At least from a money-making perspective. He might, he could end up fighting, uh, you know, Romero or or Souza, or I don't know, any number one of the middleweight contenders while they wait for Whitaker to come back. But that's not the same as as having a GSP or a Bisbing lined up ready to go. So what else happened on, on the, the fight night, Rocky, Paper Branch, Scissor Sweep? You had uh, Uriah Hall was on the card like that one that one snuck by me i did not realize he was going to be on that card i mean it makes sense he'd lost three in a row and you know we know uriah hall at this point is boomer bust and who gives a shit i mean who really wants to see that guy it's he remind. it's like watching tim tebow with the denver broncos he sucks all game but somehow wins in the end when he does occasionally win it just i don't want to watch that just terrible even when he wins uh, and as usual, he looked that way. He looked totally directionless and then just kind of sna- had that highlight finish and snatched victory out of thin air. You know, even if Christoph Jocko just kind of stood there and took that right straight in the face. So Uriah Hall was on the card. Uh, Hector Lombard was on the card. Okay. Uh, he got finished. WTF happened to him. USADA maybe. Uh, not much to talk about there. Mike Perry. Mike Perry. Mike Perry, man, (laughs) continues to confuse and fascinate me. You know, his his finish of short uh, short notice replacement Alex Reyes was was what we're used to seeing with him. He he really enjoys using those pointy, hard bone surfaces to hurt people. Whether it's an elbow or a knee, his knee actually left like you can see on Reyes's face as if there was like an indent of where his knee landed because Reyes broke his nose and also took a cut under his eye. So it's like you could see where the knee perfectly fit and just like 
wedged itself into his orbital area. Oh, it was nasty. It was nasty. And then after the fight, he uh, stalked and clucked like a chicken. Because, because why the hell not? You're Mike Perry. Platinum Mike Perry. You're crazy. Now, it was a nice bit of matchmaking, actually, because they had both Mike Perry and Kamara Usman on the same card. And Kamara Usman, he got it done. He took home a victory and continues to show that he's the most ascending welterweight in the UFC, along with Mike Perry. These two guys are the way that they're performing. They're future title contenders. At some point, they're going to scrap, maybe sooner rather than later. And if there's something the welterweight division needs bad, it is some fresh blood. Along with Colby Covington, I mean, those are the three guys that they the UFC really needs them to keep making steps up because that is an old, old geriatric division. Very, very old. Just go up and down that list of top 10 guys, top 20 guys. Very, very old. Most of them are over 30. The, vat, the majority of them are over 30. So they need Kamar Usman. So it's good to put them on the same card. You're going to get to juxtapose them against each other. Elsewhere, this weekend, there are more fights. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I love just being able to, you know, it's a Saturday. Spent the whole day out doing chores, doing whatever. And then you get to go home and just lie down and watch some fights. This one, of course, is in Saitama, Japan. So now I haven't looked at the start time, but they're what? Land of the Rising Sun? So maybe this... Uh, I mean, if they do the time-shifting thing, what would that even mean? I'd be watching it at 9 in the morning, I guess, or something. Something like that. Or the opposite. I don't know. Either way, it's going to be a weird one. Yushin Okami is returning. That is right. Yushin Okami, baby. Former middleweight contender, cut by the UFC because he had a boring style. He's back. He returns to fill in against OSP. Can't wait. I always liked Yushin Okami. As much as other people didn't. He was a bit of a... He was unique for a Japanese fighter. He was a wrestling first guy. And that was rare. Japanese fighters tend to not be wrestlers like that. He he was. Anyways, I'm I'm interested in that fight uh, more so for Yushin because of that narrative, not so much for OSP, who you know perennially, perennially, uh, continually um, underwhelms at every step he possibly can. Interestingly, too, though Yushin Okami in in his return, he's going to be fighting up at light heavyweight as opposed to middleweight, which is where he fought in his first run with the UFC. So we'll see what that means. Um, but it's also kind of funny because that's just how bare light heavyweight is in the UFC. They had to call a guy who was once a middleweight in their promotion to step in to fight there. That division, I keep saying it, is so barren. It's it's so barren. There's nobody there. Anyways, it's so barren. It's so empty. Luke Rockhold is going to jump up there. It's a, he, he's just once he, he said... He said he wants to jump up to light heavyweight. If Cormier leaves, he's going to go up there. And he could be very competitive. Ugh. Elsewhere on that card, the faded visage, Takanori Gomi, who is 
not nearly the fighter he was when he was shredding people up in pride when he was the fireball kid and legitimately was throwing fireballs. Now he's just whatever they use him to sell Japanese cards. And that's fine. Uh, Charlie Rosa is on that card. Always an entertaining little scrap. You, you see a Formiga, uh, who's a flyweight. So none of y'all have ever heard about him or care. And that's whatever it is. Uh, Teruto Ishihara is on this card. One of the more exciting, interesting MMA fighters out there because he just goes crazy. A crazy Taekwondo style, uh, all offense, doesn't give two shits about defense, just crazy. Always in entertaining scraps. And I think at one point he made a comment about he likes fighting because it gets him a lot of sex. I could be wrong. You might want to look that up, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he said that. The one fight on this card that is truly, truly, truly fascinating, interesting, and important is... Claudia Gedalia versus Jessica Andrade. That is a very good fight. Literally the number two and number three best um, women's straw weights in the world. You know, Rose Namajunas gets the next title shot because both of these ladies have fought and lost to Joanny and Jacek. But Gedalia and Andrade, that is a good fight. A couple tough Brazilians, they're, you know, Gedalia is uh, a really good wrestler, chain wrestler, nearly, probably gave uh, Joanny and Jacek her toughest chance. And she's a good uh, counter striker. And Drage, meanwhile, is a swarmer. She's just going to come at you and bring pressure. So it'll be very interesting to see how Gedalia handles that. You know, I'm thinking that she might try and use some uh, reactive takedowns as Andrade kind of wades in there. We'll see. But that is a very, very interesting fight with huge implications on that division. Also because you never know if Andrade loses, maybe she'll just jump up because she's, she's fought at 125 before, I think, outside the UFC. So she might jump up into that new 125 division and give it a go there. Like Shevchenko, who's probably going to drop down from 135 into 125. Andrade might jump up. That might be more of a natural division for her, not having to, you know, suck herself off so much. Suck herself off. Oh, my God. <laughs> not not drain herself uh, to fight at, at the 115 limit. So we'll see how it goes. Looking forward to that fight. That's going to be good. Elsewhere, the John Jones saga continues, but this time the story is focused on Daniel Cormier. Cormier has been largely kind of silent in a lot of this. You know, he's been taking the, the political position, let the process play out. But finally, he did a long Instagram post uh, the other day and, and essentially just said, listen, lay, lay off John Jones. Let him and his team, I quote, let him and his team figure out what's going on and what happened. I was down and some may have kicked me, but the majority of you show compassion and love. So there, there's DC. Now you think those would be words that John Jones would want to use more often, that kind of class, which he only really showed after that fight with Cormier and who knows how authentic that was now after, you know, after the steroid thing. Maybe he was just doing that to repair his image. I don't know. But Cormier released this this after Jones swore on his children and God 
that he never did steroids. Steroids. I don't know why, but that just really for me that's 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 a that's a that's messed up, man. That's messed up. You would you swear on your children? Like so much of John Jones's behavior suggests that he never takes his children even into consideration. His children your children are gonna watch the news one day, John Jones. <laughs> They're gonna they have the internet. They're gonna find out all the, the stuff that he's done. Did I something tells me he didn't ever really think about them when he went out and was snorting cocaine at parties that he failed to test for, you know. Besides the fact that those results are never supposed to come out, he was still doing that. Where was where was he for his children then? Where was he for his children when he was crashing his car into people and carrying around wads of cash? I mean, it's confusing to me why he would do that. But of course, at least we know that John Jones is is willing to bring up his children in addition to bringing up other people's children, which he did to Cormier at the press conference for their for their recent fight. At least I can give him credit for besmirching his own kids with equal aplomb as somebody else's kids that he's willing to to bring up. He doesn't play favorites. You know, and, and as with Cormier, you know, based on his statement, he said on the MMA Hour today that he hasn't even brought out his UFC titles. He's leaving them in his closet. So, I mean, at least he seems to recognize intrinsically what fans do, that his UFC belts are tainted. They're, it sucks, man, but they are. The unfortunate part, you know, is that unless he tears apart the competition at light heavyweight for a number of years still and writes a truly dominant chapter of his own, that belt will be Jones's in the eyes of many. It just will. And he seems to recognize that. He's locked them away. He's not even going to bring them out. For Cormier to, to, to really have people forget about Jones, he needs to wipe clean that belt. He needs to wipe it down with his own sweat and the blood of a few other you know, major scalps, Gustafson again, Uzdemir, anybody. He just needs to wipe clean that division. And Jones's legacy will then rust over time. If he's suspended four years, his legacy will rust. And people will remember Cormier independent of Jones. You know, it'll it'll become a story more of what could have been and not the fact that he lost to him twice. Because now we think he might have lost to him while Jones was cheating. But Cormier still will be tied to that unless he makes it happen for himself. Couple other notes. Uh, Benson Henderson, the whole MMA world seemed to be behind Conor McGregor and loved Mayweather McGregor. Benson Henderson was not one of them. Uh, Henderson told Brett Alcomodo of ESPN, quote, people will start to view us like WWE. He continued on, quote, one guy is carrying the other for the sake of millions. How close to the edge are we talking to a worked fight? That's detrimental to the integrity of MMA to people buying a fight thinking, oh no, this isn't fake, it's real. These guys aren't carrying each other. And he brings up a good point. He does. Um, there's a reason people watch UFC and there's a reason people watch WWE because one is soap opera and the other is 
authentic. And when you start blurring the lines where two guys are orchestrating a fight to get paid, how different is that than two guys who are tools in an orchestra to tell a story? You know, and, and even fans, the, the, the worrying part for me is that there were a lot of fans out there who really kind of fell for it in a way. They believed that McGregor was being competitive in those first three or four rounds. They believed that McGregor was going to knock Mayweather out in, the, in, in four rounds. They believed that this was going to, this was the story, that McGregor stood a chance when he never did. From the moment the fight was rumored to when it was announced, to training camp, to the videos of Polly Mags getting, getting punched, to the four-day press tour, to the fight, it was all put together to, to sell, not to be competitive. And I think Ben Henderson hits it on the head. Could there be a Ronda Rousey comeback? Edmund Targaryen said uh, that's her trainer, Edmund Targaryen, of course, the much maligned Edmund Targaryen who has destroyed the careers of so many fighters, including, including Ronda Rousey, said he wants one more fight for Ronda Rousey, adding that she's 50-50 to return and that the fight he wants, the fight he wants for her is Chris Cyborg. Now... If this were almost any other fighter or manager, I would I would think he's laying the groundwork for a real fight, testing the waters, that kind of thing. That may, that still may be what he's doing, but this is Edmund Targaryen we're talking about here. No one thinks that this guy thinks this kind of stuff through. Not to mention, let's Ronda's name has been tied more to a completely different acronym lately, WWE, than the acronym she made her name in, MMA. You know, and interestingly, Targaryen said, when I trained Ronda, which is past tense, so who knows when the last time she seriously came into a training session. You know, I'll, the last headline I saw of her that wasn't WWE related was, Ronda Rousey gets a new puppy. I don't give a shit. She does not seem like she's coming back to MMA. If she wanted to come back to MMA and she wanted Chris Cyborg, she'd be making more noise about it, I feel. And that's not even mentioning that from a fantasy standpoint, if it happened, she'd get killed. She would. We thought it would be competitive once and now time has proven that she She'd get smashed, I think. She really would. Now, the last topic of the day, real quick. There was a boxing match this weekend, and it was a true blue boxing match. Not a gimmick boxing match. Not a hype show boxing match. This was two of the best boxers on the planet. Gennady Golovkin, Triple G, and Canelo Alvarez fighting to see who was the dominant middleweight in the world today. And they delivered a classic, absolute classic fight. You know, for anyone who watched the McGregor-Mayweather fight, I hope they stuck around. Casual fans, MMA fans, I hope they stuck around and decided they were going to drop the money and watch this one. Getting, you know, get excited about Mayweather-McGregor. If that led you to watch Triple G, Canelo, I'm happy because boxing is great. 
And these two guys showed why it's great. And then the decision came, and it was a split draw, and boxing did what it has done for years, which is remind people why they stopped liking boxing. It seems corrupt. And one, one person in particular, Judge Adelaide Bird, was on full blast because her one of her cards, her card was 118 to 110 Canelo, which means she only saw two rounds in favor of Triple G, which is pretty insane. Cause he he handily won at a minimum three of the last five rounds. Definitely. He might have won, I mean a few of the first uh, seven rounds. And that would be on a losing card. That's if you saw him losing. But there's no way he lost every round but two. Not a chance. Now, at a minimum... I will say that in Adelaide Bird's defense, and I'm not defending her decision. I think she was wrong. I'm just saying that at least she was full in on her card. If uh, at least if she saw the fight that way, at least she was watching the fight consistently from a certain perspective. It's just that none of us can understand that perspective. You know, this is like this is like you and everyone in the world saw Argo when it came out and thought it was the bee's knees, and she thought it was just all right. You know. She was just the one person who thought it was just all right. And now apparently she's she's going to take a break. She's going to sit down and not judge a few uh, MMA competitions, boxing competitions coming up here. So it's a sorry sight for boxing. It is. Now, viral video of the week. If you have not seen the Teddy Atlas video debating with Stephen A. Smith, it is worth your time. It's amazing. Ted, I have never seen a talking head so upset. This is like someone, this is like a come to Jesus moment for Teddy Atlas. He was so angry, said that boxing is corrupt and all the reasons and just he was so ashamed by the, 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 the that decision and the world of boxing. It's amazing. If you haven't seen the movie Take Shelter with Michael Shannon, watch that movie and then watch the Teddy Atlas thing and tell me that they're not one and the same. The Teddy Atlas story starring Michael Shannon. I would watch that. Hashtag would watch. All right. I want to thank you very much for tuning in to The Hurt Take. I have been your host, Reese Dobigan. I hope to hear you next week for another round 